Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome back to another edition of Work Human Radio. I am your host, Mike Wood. I hope everybody is having a great week and you are excited for the upcoming Work Human Conference because I am, because we just announced Viola Davis will be coming. Check out the website, www.workhuman.com to find all the information about Viola and why she's coming. But hopefully you're as excited as we are to add her to the lineup. But this week we're going to be talking with Tamara Chandler, who is the CEO of people firm and she's also an author. She spoke at Work Human a couple of years ago in 2017 in Phoenix. And we really wanted to kind of pick her brain about what are the latest trends in performance management. Like, you know, fixed versus a growth mindset. Is it possible to nudge people one way or the other? So enjoy our conversation with Tamara Chandler and hopefully we will see you at Work Human in a couple of months now in Nashville. So first off, just wanted to say welcome back to Work Human Radio, Tamara. Thanks, Sarah. Super excited to be back. So the last time that you and I connected was two years ago, actually. Can't believe it's been that long. At Work Team in 2017 in Phoenix. And just wanted to catch up on what's new with People Firm. Well, People Firm's continuing to grow and thrive. And growth for us means that we get to welcome more amazing people to our team and to work with some amazing clients. And we're continuing to do work across the board, really helping drive inspired people, delivering inspiring performance. And that's what we're about. And we're loving it and just continuing to do our thing. So your first book was all about performance management. And in the years since that was published, how has the mindset about performance management shifted, if at all? You know, it's a really good question. I don't know if the mindset has shifted, but When the book first came out, that was back when a lot of people were declaring that the world was going to reboot what we use, you know, my term, reboot performance management, that everyone was going to move to a modern approach. And as we've been doing work with clients over the past three years, what we're finding is that people are still really slow to move there. And some of that is the, well, we've been doing analysis to understand why. And one of them is the concern about being able to understand how to pay without ratings. Another one is not trusting your managers in a process that has less rigor and sort of check-the-box approaches. And sometimes the last piece is leaders not really buying in. So what we're seeing is people are still doing this work and they're still moving and there's still an intent. We've had some people who have done it poorly to have not really addressed kind of a holistic solution. And unfortunately, some of them have reverted back to old ways. So it's been interesting to kind of watch. Hasn't moved as quickly as people have thought. There's still a lot of work to be done. I would say probably 60 to 70% of the world still needs to modernize their performance management processes. That's a big percentage to the majority. <laughs> it <laughs> is. And it's not at all what we predicted. And But it's the data that we're seeing as we're sort of looking what's happening. And, you know, people are kind of working around the edges, but there just hasn't been that many who have really taken the big step and completely stepped away from the old processes. I think it's because it, well, one reason could be it also requires a lot of work and training and a mindset shift. And I was just reading your new book and you talk a little bit about this, the fixed versus the growth mindset. 
Um, right. So can you talk about that a little bit and, you know, if it's possible to nudge people one way or the other? Yeah. So the truth is all of us humans are built of both sort of a fixed and a growth mindset. And just to define that, a fixed mindset says we either see ourselves or we see others in a fixed kind of way. So if I said, you know, Bob's no good at numbers, then I'm seeing Bob as a person who's never going to be any good at numbers. Versus if I say, Bob's not good at numbers yet, it means that I'm opening up that space to let Bob and recognizing that Bob has the potential to improve how he manages numbers. We do that when we deal with other people, we do it with ourselves. So if we have a fixed mindset with ourselves, we may say, you know, someone gives us positive feedback about something that is in conflict with the way we see ourselves, we might reject it. Or if they give us negative feedback and they lock us more into a fixed set. So we really, in the new book that's coming out, which I probably should have mentioned around people firm, feedback and other dirty words, we talk about how we really need to continually to move ourselves and challenge ourselves to be in a growth mindset, both for ourselves and for the people that we're working with, that we're really seeing all of us of having the opportunity to grow and thrive. And you're right, Sarah, that has a lot to do with the performance management, because in order to modernize your processes, you really have to have that idea that we're growing and that together we can put processes in place that help each of us grow sort of every day in every little way. And you mentioned your new book, which is about feedback and it's being published in right. June. I got a sneak peek and I really like what I've read so far. And there's one line that stuck with me and I thought maybe we could talk about that a bit. Positive feedback is always recognition, but recognition is not always positive feedback. So can you explain that a bit? Yeah, I love that you pulled that out because that's actually, that was sort of a big aha as we were doing the work in this space. And when we started to dig into feedback, one of the things we decided we needed to do is really redefine feedback in general. That most of us, like if I said to you, Sarah, hey, I have some feedback for you, your mind instantly thinks negative, right? I'm betting. Most people, like their eyes sort of bug out and they're like, oh no, here it comes, right? And we think that it's going to be negative. And so we took a step back and said, well, even though the Webster Dictionary doesn't define it as negative, let's really redefine feedback in a way that we understand it's about growth and advancement and improvement. And so it should be a positive thing, even if sometimes it's a little bit hard to take, it should generally be moving us in a positive direction. And as we were thinking about that, that we started thinking about, well, what is the difference between recognition and positive feedback? And in our definition of feedback, we talk about it being clear and specific, and we really want it to be actionable. So oftentimes recognition, which is a lovely thing, I hope people do more of it, none of us do enough of it, recognition, if I said, hey, Sarah, you rock, that's great recognition, and you might have a little warm fuzzy for the day. But mm -hmm. it's not feedback because it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't tell you, why do I think you rock? What are the things you should do more of or that you should, you know, spread more of that around because it's so good and I'm recognizing you for it. So if I said, Sarah, you rock because you can edit my documents and make them just sing, then you're like, oh, I'm a good editor. I should probably do more of that, use mm -hmm. more of that superpower elsewhere. So that's where we started to get really clear in our heads that recognition is lovely, but positive feedback needs to be clear and specific and actionable. And that's definitely along the lines of how we think about feedback too. You know, obviously the global force, we're all about recognition, but a lot of times we say, you know, feedback is a spectrum and from positive, maybe more constructive or instructive and it all right. helps improve and get better. Right, exactly. And you know, the great thing about positive feedback 
is that it can be exactly the way we want feedback to be short, sweet, and concise, right? I can just drop a little nugget on you and that can have an immense amount of power. And so we, again, we all need to do a little more of that. So you also talk about trust in the book and how essential it is to making feedback more effective. What's Mm -hmm. your advice for building that trust for people listening? Yeah, I think that the most important thing about trust is just connections. And so how do we build connections with other people? You know, at Work Human, you guys probably like this one. I think part of it is just show up human, right? Like if we mess something up, let's admit it. If it's okay to sort of let our freak flag fly a little bit, let's be who we are. And I think that that really builds trust because people see that when you're showing up authentic and they feel like, well, maybe they can be that too. I think also finding those ways to connect, right? So what are the small ways every day that we can connect with the people around us to build trust? Or can we join forces with somebody who we maybe don't have a great relationship with and tackle a hard problem? Because things like that help us build trust. But trust isn't something you can build overnight. It's not, you know, an off-on switch. It's really something we have to build through time. And I think that just connecting with people in that authentic and kind of safe way is probably the number one thing we can do. So building off of that, what is the Gottman five to one? (laughs) Yeah, so there is a Dr. Gottman who actually happens to live in my neck of the woods up here in Seattle. is actually a marriage counselor and he can predict the longevity of marriages with an amazing amount of accuracy. And what his research has shown (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Like, you don't know if you really want to bump into him in the restaurant, right? But uh, his research has shown is the difference between those marriages that survive and those that don't is the number of positive connections to negative connections. And I'm not talking with specific feedback. I'm just saying a positive connection to a negative connection. And so we really kind of leaned into this to the feedback book because we think it's really important. And so if you could think about it as if you were a manager and you were maybe coaching one of your people, if the only time you show up to really engage with them is to drop something negative on them, there's no trust there and there's not a connection there. And that feedback is going to not really do what you're hoping it's going to do. But if you're working with your team and your people every day and helping them recognize the great things they're doing, again, connecting with them in meaningful ways, When you get to that point where you've got something that's a little more meaty, that maybe is more of an improvement kind of piece of feedback, that connection is strong. And so you have the trust built to be able to accept that and help that person move forward and continue to build your trust in relationships. So we really talked about in this world of feedback, thinking about that five to one, how do you make at least five positive connections to one that may be a little bit harder? I like that too, especially thinking about it from a marriage perspective and just relationships in general. <laughs> like it's so important because it's protection. It's it's something that gets you through the hard times and it speaks to how right. important it is to have those positive connections day to day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we're as humans we thrive on that, right? We talk in the book about fear and why we do fear feedback and there's a lot of reasons that go back to sort of our caveman days, if you will. We talk about our reptilian brain that still gets in our way. And the thing that we as humans crave, though, we always have craved is this acceptance that I'm part of something that you see me and I'm meaningful. And 
So those positive connections, that's all just reinforcing that. Like, I see you, you're important to me. You know, I trust you. Those connections are what builds the platform for so much. So when we talk about feedback, I think a lot of people envision a manager giving an employee feedback, but what about peer feedback? What makes that different? (laughs) Well, yeah, peer feedback is, and I write a section in the book about this, is actually my favorite kind of feedback. And in fact, we've written this whole book around the idea that we want to start with an army of speakers, that we want people to go out and seek feedback because that builds trust, that shows humility, that gets people opening and starting to have the conversations. And we lean heavily both in giving and receiving on the idea of peer feedback, because I think that is where those trusted relationships are, right? It's your peers who see you every day at your best and your worst. It's your peers who are able to say, you know, you really shine when you're in this space and you're flapping and struggling when you're in this space. How can I help you move through that, right? And I think we're much more receptive when we're talking to our peers because it doesn't feel as challenging or as threatening to us. Hopefully we have that trust with them and we're able to accept what we hear and move forward with it. And so I think the peer feedback is amazing. And oftentimes, you know, I think that peer feedback does again come in those little tiny, you know, little small bites. It's not a peer who's going to pull you into a room and sit you down and tell you five strengths and your three problems and, you know, go through all that, which isn't really a very effective way to give feedback anyway. It's your peer who might just say something in the moment that really might land with you and help you kind of see yourself in a different way or maybe open up a door you hadn't thought about before. Mm. I think of it kind of like the difference between a parent giving you feedback and a friend. You know, you might be more right, willing to listen, less defensive. Yeah, I think when we're seeking feedback too, Sarah, exactly, we're more willing to go to a peer or a friend, you know, because mm-hmm. again, that's a safe place and it's we can start to build that muscle of asking and receiving feedback and in that safer zone. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the feedback sandwich, which has another <laughs> name too, which you talk about in the book. And I know yes, we, we debated. <laughs> Sorry. I know, I, I know I'm guilty of it because it's hard giving feedback. So can you talk about like, how do you avoid giving the feedback sandwich? Yeah, so we debated names, and we went with the more slang name, but for this recording, we'll call it the poo sandwich. (laughs) And, you know, the poo sandwich is, you know, where we sort of give somebody a little compliment, and then we lay the heavy feedback, you know, the constructive, negative, whatever you want to call it, feedback in the middle, and then we sort of sandwich that in with something else to kind of wrap it up. And I think it's superhuman nature because we really, that wanting to be accepted is as much about extending feedback. We don't want someone to dislike us. We don't want to hurt people. And so our natural tendency is to think, well, if I wrap this puppy up in, you know, some niceness, maybe it will go down a little bit easier. It's like that, you know, sugar will make the medicine go down. But it actually is such a fallacy. And the problem with it is that we tend to create distrust because they're like, what are you telling me? Like, are you telling me something good? Are you telling me something that I need to work on? And are you being authentic with me? It feels like you're just creating these good things to make the bad things feel a little bit better. Like we as humans, we don't take it in very well. And so if we have something that we need to share with somebody, maybe it's something that's a little bit, the best thing to do is to just say it. But to say it without judgment, right? And to really say, here's what I'm noticing or here's what I've observed and share that with the person and then talk about it, but not bring it with judgment and not 
clutter it up with to make it go down a little bit easier. I think overall it makes a lot of sense. You take the risk of diluting the good message, you know, when you wrap it. Right. Wrap something. Totally. And when we do that, when we do give somebody positive feedback, then they're not even sure is it really positive feedback, right? They're sort of puts them on edge, like, okay, then what's coming next? Like, is that, (laughs) we kind of become Pavlov's dog, right? That positive feedback always going to come before something bad. And so we just need to really, you know, we talk about one bite, whether it's positive or whether it's something that's more around improvement or growth, one bite, just that little tiny bit laid on them through observation or what I noticed, and just stick to that. No more poo sandwiches. No more poo sandwiches. <laughs> well, very much looking forward to having you again at Work Human in March. And I thought we'd just end with a quick preview of your session. Yeah, so we're really excited when we were planning the session. We were thinking about how could we get as many people in the room and making it as interactive as possible and share some of our insights into feedback and help hopefully all the people that leave be excited and ready to go out and build an army of speakers in their organization. So that's really what we're going to do. We're going to share our insights, super practical, super actionable, having an engaging session where hopefully you're up and out of your seat a little bit and get everybody ready to leave to do something different when they go back home. That's great. Yeah, it's always great to get hands-on and talking with people in the session too. Totally. Well, thank you so much, Tamara. I look forward to seeing you in March. And for all our listeners out there, it's not too late to get your tickets and your registration. So I hope you'll join us. Great. Thanks, Sarah. Super excited to be in Nashville. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at WorkHuman March 18th through the 21st in Nashville. Visit WorkHuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2019.